This is episode 75 of Off Script with Trish Close, intimate interviews and fun conversations with interesting people. In front of my microphone today, I have Judge Kelly Ravasapur. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. And I have to say, we're in the Rogue Grape in downtown Medford. Um, Natasha was nice enough to donate this little corner over here for us for about an hour. So we definitely appreciate Rogue Grape for um, donating the space today. So let's Ravasapur. You have a very, you have a famous husband <laughs> in the community. He's worked on a lot of teeth. He has. He Dr. Ravasapur, he's an orthodontist. Correct. Correct. What is Ravasapur? So it's a Persian name. Okay. My father-in-law immigrated here from Iran in the 70s. Wow. Here, Oregon? To Texas. To Texas. Correct. Okay. And so Darren was raised in Houston, and then they moved to Wenatchee, and that's where they still are. Wow. Does anyone ever have a hard time saying your name? Never. Never? <laughs> Everyone has a hard time saying my name. It's like, oh, it's just Kelly. Yeah. Just call me Judge Kelly. Um, yeah. My maiden name is Baruki. It's uh-huh. Polish. Yeah, that never. I mean, I think in kindergarten, I actually got docked because I couldn't recognize my own last name in kindergarten. So um, well, we'll talk about your hubby okay. maybe a little bit because I know, um, again, he's kind of famous. Like a lot of people go to him to get braces. They do. So we have a lot of beautiful smiles around here and they're all thanks to Dr. Ravasapur. That's really nice of you to say that. We do. Okay. I think people really like Darren. He's really involved in the community. Mm-hmm. It's a big part of what his practice does. Okay. Um, and so there's a lot of recognition, I think, through that and seeing that they're in a position to help a lot of people and they do. And Awesome. It's a really fun environment. I, I don't go there very often because I have my own job. Yeah, you um, do. But it's... It's a great place. We'll talk about your own job. Where are you from originally? I'm, I was raised in Medford. Really? Yeah, raised here. I was born in Los Angeles, and then we moved to New York. My family's from the East Coast, and then mm-hmm. moved back here when I was really young. So all my mm-hmm. schooling uh, has been here. Okay, so you're, you're graduate a graduate of South Medford. You're a Medford girl. I am. Uh, did you grow up with siblings? I do. I have an older sister, okay. and she's in Portland. Nice. What mom and dad do? So my dad's a retired plastic surgeon. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a medical missionary. He started going on missions about 20 years ago. Wow. Um, all over the world. He just got back from Bhutan two days ago. Nice. And so my mom helped him with his practice and That's volunteered awesome. and was home. Plastic surgeon here in town? Correct. Okay. So Ron Warland. What's, I'm sorry? Ron Warland is my father. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people know him, a too. A lot of people know my dad. Um, I've had a yeah. plastic surgeon on this podcast before, Dr. Jensen. Mm-hmm. Um, fascinating job. Yeah. Whether it's from, you know, breast augmentation to nose jobs to reconstructive surgery. Mm-hmm. I mean, just the that area of medicine is really interesting mm-hmm. to me. How long did he do that for? You're going to ask over 35 years. (laughs) Long time. A long time. And so he went into, you said he was a medical missionary. Like, I mean, I'm assuming that means going places and helping other people. Doing cleft lip and cleft palate. Oh, really? But it was interesting. I found a radio interview with my father, probably from like 1982. And we were playing the cassette tape. We were introducing what a cassette tape was Mm -hmm. to our kids. And it was my dad being interviewed. And I never really knew why he went into medicine. And in the interview they went through, and his father had a really large birthmark that um, Mm -hmm. was pronounced on his face. Mm -hmm. And so I think that was a big driving part in hearing my dad talk about it and then Mm -hmm. hear it through, through a parent's eyes. And now as an adult, it was really moving. So... That's, That's really, really why he went into medicine was to help, purely to help people. Because of his dad. A lot of that. Mm-hmm. Wow, that is really special. Yeah. So now, is he still doing that? So he's retired, and mm-hmm. now he goes on missions um, about four a year from China, India, okay. Guatemala, wow. Myanmar, countries I've never heard of. Sure, sure. And it's, it's really inspiring. Right. And I mean, he's doing this for free, yes. right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <sighs> People like that, there's a special place mm-hmm. in, if you believe in heaven, there's a special place in heaven for people like that, I think. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, and you said mom helped him. She did. Okay. Yeah. Amazing. So uh, you grew up with an older sister. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you guys get along? Yeah, we always got along. Really? Yeah, which that's is rare. amazing because we were 16 months apart. We were doubles partners in tennis in high school. Okay, that's adorable. Um, and I think we got really close once she went to college. I think that happens for a lot of siblings once... Mm-hmm. One leaves, you kind of mm-hmm. realize that bond that you share. So for sure, 
Yeah, I wish she were closer. Uh, what does she do? She is a stylist and has a salon up there. Fancy. She is fancy. My husband nice. and I joke we're the shorter, fatter version of Jason and Stacy. And if you saw the picture, you would understand. It's a family joke. <laughs> okay, that's pretty cute. <laughs> yeah, they're great. So what were you like in high school? I know you played tennis. Played tennis. Um, were you guys good? We were pretty good, yeah. Okay, what's pretty good? You we can were, brag. We were pretty good. <laughs> Like so I was number one doubles. Uh, my good friend, I did singles. That's and, really good, Kelly. I was singles and doubles. I played volleyball. I was student body president. Oh, you were one of those. I was one of those. But you know what's what I really value about that experience? Because I didn't plan on coming back to Medford. Mm-hmm. I didn't have ill feelings towards it. I think the Valley's incredible, but I mm-hmm. left for a long period of time. Is I like to think I was nice to people because I'm coming back and I see people all the time. And what I really impart to my kids is be nice to everyone. Mm. You don't know where you're going to end up one day, mm-hmm. you know? So I was friends with, I really was friends with everyone. Yeah. And you know, I, that's funny. You said that I was the same exact way in high school. It just yeah. never, I don't think it ever occurred to me to not be nice to someone. Right. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't mean like I was fake or no. there were people that I didn't like. I just didn't talk to them, yeah. but yeah, I agree with you. Just being kind to everyone. Mm-hmm. You never know what, people are battling inside. You don't. You have no idea. Mm-hmm. And just saying hi mm-hmm. and a smile could really make the difference for someone mm-hmm. in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so you played sports, mm-hmm. student body president, mm-hmm. straight A student. I wasn't a straight A student. Darren was. Okay. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> um, no, I was, I was a really good student. I was on a roll, but I wasn't straight yeah. A's. Yeah. That's all right. I'll forgive you for that okay, one. Thank you. Um, where'd you go to college? I went to Willamette University okay. in Salem, um, majored in Japanese and Asian studies. What? So that's a funny story. My best friend I met in the seventh grade at Hedrick, we had to start taking a language at South. Mm-hmm. And so it was Russian or Japanese, because why would we do French or Spanish? Why? Why would you do that? Why? It's silly. <laughs> so Lisa and I, we did Japanese. So by the time I went to college. Willamette had TIU, Tokyo International University, mm-hmm. on their campus. And I was just really drawn to it. Yeah. I knew I wanted to go into law. Unfortunately, with law, you can really, you're at liberty mm-hmm. for what your major can mm-hmm. be. You're not focused on science for medicine. So I went to Willamette, um, loved it. Absolutely loved it. Really? My sophomore year, I got to go to Tokyo and live there with the host family. How long? Just at that time four months okay and then after college i went and worked for the japanese government um for a year crazy super cool so fun so lucky to get to do that and i don't even it was just a passion it wasn't Mm -hmm. it's nothing that i use today um a little tidbit about (laughs) not many people know that you know it's it's funny um didn't judge hoppy didn't he do asian studies he did he did and i think and if he's listening, I apologize. I'm pretty sure he speaks Mandarin, and his studies were in Taiwan. I think you're right. I'm pretty sure it was if Taiwan. If you're not right, he'll let us he'll both know. He will. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, he was on, I think he broke a record on this podcast. I think he talked longer than, I think, anyone else. Typical, right? <laughs> you're just smiling and nodding. <laughs> I can make fun of him. It's okay. No, I do too all the time. Dave, Good. Um, Dave works so hard. And I'm, I'm grateful to work with Dave, but he yes. does he enjoy des- speaking. Yeah, and he, he, deserves, he deserves to get poked yeah, out a little bit. He needs bit. it. Got to bring him down. Exactly. So you knew you wanted to be an attorney. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, in high school, in college? like I think at a young age, I had a desire to do something to help people. And I saw the law hmm. as a way, an avenue to do that. Really? And it just... You that's know? that's rare. It is rare. It's it's not really common. Um, Darren similarly started working for an orthodontist when he was, I think, in the fifth or sixth grade. What? And worked all the way through. He needs to um, be on this podcast, I think. You should have him. He is Okay. He's so much better at this than I am. Oh, stop it. <laughs> you guys are like aliens. Like who knows who knows what they I mean, I knew what I wanted to do in high school, but again, I'm that's weird. Like mm-hmm. not a lot of people it doesn't click for a lot of people that early. Yeah, I think seeing my parents' involvement in the community, mm-hmm. and I was raised volunteering mm. for Rotary, like at the Brit Festival when they ran that, and just seeing how important it is to be of service, mm-hmm. and that was such a core value instilled in me, and so that really helped me think, okay, well, what what do I want to do? And yeah. I knew I didn't want to necessarily, I knew I didn't want to go into medicine, 
um, mm -hmm. I just gravitated towards the law and it's fascinating. Well, and you saw it as a way that you could help people. Mm -hmm. Do you think other folks who go into law see it the same way? Or are there people who kind of, I don't want to say have an agenda, but they go into it because they want to make money or mm -hmm. they want to, you know, fight for this specific cause. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sure there's lots of different reasons, but I, I haven't heard any really anyone say I wanted to be an attorney because I wanted to help people. That's interesting. I speak, there's um, a conference I present at every year in Eugene at the federal courthouse mm -hmm. called the Art of Possibility. And Judge Aiken brings in all the first year law students and we have these panels that are so inspiring. It was my favorite day of the year every year. Mm. And really talking to law students about keeping their options open and like questioning, okay, well, why, why am I here? And you know what is my goal and where is happiness? And I think we're in a day and age where people are so, they're just so busy and their mm -hmm. days are so full and trying to find balance. You know, we were some friends last night and having that discussion of how do you have a really successful career, whatever it is, have a family, stay healthy. Oh my um, gosh, and there's so, so much. There's a big push I think with training new lawyers to really have this understanding is working 120 hours a week, is that healthy? Mm -hmm. um, so I do think a lot of, depending on the law school, but I do think a lot of people go in with an idea of like, I'm going to be a public defender. Mm -hmm. I want to help, you know, that population, or I'm going to be the state prosecutor or federal prosecutor and put away, you know, the bad guys and then patent law people who are really interested in that area. So a lot of people do have an idea and some people probably have no idea and they think, okay, it's three years. And it teaches you how to think critically, mm -hmm. how to analyze. It teaches you how to write. And that's a skill set that you can really oh transfer into any job. Yeah. You know, I think what's hard with law school is you see people, they suddenly feel pigeonholed. You know, they came in with, I want to get this education. And then they feel, wow, I really need to be practicing law. And maybe mm. they don't find fulfillment in mm -hmm. that career. Critical thinking is a big one. Mm -hmm. I, I, don't, I don't know if we're doing... Um, kids today justice by not teaching them how to critically think rationally and you know what I mean I mean it's mm -hmm. it's it's I mean I think it is a skill to be able to sit down and critically think about something mm -hmm. in front of you a problem or whatever and getting yeah. back to balance uh that's I mean you hit on something that I think everybody struggles with we work these crazy long days if we care about our job mm -hmm. um you come home you have a glass of wine cook dinner and then you're trying to settle your brain down but you're also trying to maybe get organized for the next day and before you know it it's like 10 o'clock at night mm -hmm. and, and if you have repeat. kids oh and goodness repeat. yeah wash yeah. rinse repeat every single day and i think do you have children i have a 20 year old do i get to so, ask you questions yeah you can ask me questions <laughs> i have i have a 20 year old but i remember working late uh, i worked the night shift so i worked 2 30 mm -hmm. to 11 30 my husband works 24-hour shifts because he's a firefighter. Mm -hmm. And so I would come home and put Connor to bed, and we'd get up at 6.30 in the morning mm -hmm. after working the 11 o'clock newscast. Yeah. We did this free, and I took him to school. Like, yeah. I mean, we did this, it feels like forever, but it, there yeah. was an end to it. Um, but, I, gosh, I just remember, like, it was, a, it was a, whirl, a whirlwind. I think what's really challenging for working women, too, um, it's really sad in this day and age that we're constantly, there is that, that mm -hmm. feeling that you have to prove yourself. Oh, big time. And I mean, it's slowly progressing. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm lucky to be a circuit court judge and I'm mm -hmm. lucky that my daughter gets to have a mom that has a position. I see myself as a civil servant, but I'm a role model. Mm -hmm. And she sees that, you know what, there are boundaries, mm -hmm. you know, for generations to come, but finding the balance between, you know, I always think right now they're, they're little ones. Like, we don't get this time back. Nope. And so, you know, when they're gone and away to college, no problem. Have me work 100 hours, you know. But it's, it's, a, it's a struggle that I see all of my friends go mm -hmm. through. And, you know, fortunately, I have a really good support system, and we all help each other. And I think it's like that for a lot yeah. of working moms. You have to have that. Um, I call you guys work uh, Wonder Women. Um, I have a, a, a group of friends. We call ourselves Wonder Women mm -hmm. because we work really, really hard and we care about what we do and we mm -hmm. take care of our families and our house and our bodies and our minds. And mm -hmm. I feel like that's, um, that's a superhero power, in, mm -hmm. in my opinion, um, these women. And, they, and you are a role model. I mean, girls, I think, look up to you and go, hmm, I could do that. I could mm -hmm. be that girl. So, 
Okay, we got off track. This okay. is why it's called off script. Okay. We started talking about something super fun. Um, and once again, I just want to mention we are in the Rogue Grape in downtown Medford, and they're just getting started for the day. So you're going to be hearing some things on the podcast, but just stay with us. So uh, you went into Asian studies. Mm-hmm. And then you said you were in, so let's first talk about you were there for four months. Correct. With a host family. Mm-hmm. Was it overwhelming? I loved it. You were what, like 19? I was 19. Um, the first time I studied abroad, I was 16. Okay. Um, I did a Rotary Exchange student to Finland. Mm-hmm. Whoa. And then I did the ALBA sister city program mm-hmm. that the schools mm-hmm. still do today. I know, it's so awesome. So awesome. So the only reason I ended up in Finland is because I applied for ALBA and was accepted and Desert Storm canceled ALBA oh. that year. And I was so excited to go abroad. So then I applied for a Rotary um, mm-hmm. scholarship position Okay. and did that. Awesome. So when I went to Japan my sophomore year, I mean, I was probably nervous, but yeah. I... I really have a sense of adventure, so I was so excited. Did the host family speak English? None. No, no. Oh, my God. Were you somewhat fluent at I was comfortable point? at that point, but, I mean, it was an immersion process. Mm-hmm. So I got a job at a restaurant. was one of the first things I did. Brilliant. So, so I wanted to work, and I'm pretty sure I served wrong meals quite a bit. I know I did, actually. <laughs> um, but I really wanted to push myself and, mm-hmm. and, and dive right in, and that really helped. Okay. Um, say something. Can you still speak Japanese? What does that mean? I speak a little bit of Japanese. Nice. Yeah. Japanese, can you write it? I can do, so there's three forms, katakana, kanji, and hiragana. Um, kanji is really difficult. Those are the complicated Chinese characters. Mm-hmm. So I can recognize those. When I write letters to them, I usually just do hiragana. And katakana is for foreign words. Okay. So You still write letters? A little bit. Mm-hmm. Wow. Like Very simple. Like meaning letters like alphabet letters or like letters like a like, like a, letter, a note like a card. You still do that? I do. Wow. How long does it take I'm you? I'm pretty old, so <laughs> we still send letters. What's a letter? <laughs> I put a stamp on it. <laughs> you know, I was thinking about I um I was thinking about dropping a note in the mail for a friend of you mine. You should. It's the best thing when you get yeah, mail. It is. It's so personal. It's I, not I a bill. Write, I write note cards. I um, I write cards to people. Hmm. My husband's the best at it. He is he writes a lot of letters, but I just think it's important for people to maintain that. Agreed. That contact. It's special. It is. Um, okay, it so takes a minute. It takes a minute. It really does take a minute yeah. and a stamp, and that's yeah. it. Throw it in your mailbox. Yeah. Trader Joe's cards, one dollar. That's <laughs> my tip for your listeners today. I love it. That's your best advice. That's my best um, advice. So, and then you went to work for the Japanese government. Uh-huh. What was that like? Crazy. I bet. Crazy. So I was an English teacher and then I w- and did interpreting for the, I worked for the educational department. Wow. In a town called Minami Kawachimachi. Yeah. Um, little where, green town. Okay. Where is that? It's about an hour and 20 minutes north of Tokyo. Okay. Did you, when you went that first time, was it something like, did you get hooked? Were you like, I want to go back? I think so. Yeah. yeah. What was it about living there that you loved so much? Because it's so different. Mm-hmm. I mean, just being in a culture so different and thinking, wow, this is like existing simultaneously with yeah. like what's going on in here in Medford, you know, where I was raised. Mm-hmm. And I, I just loved that. Yeah, for sure. The food? The food, the people. What about the, the food? I love, I love the food, but I, I like all food. Same here. <laughs> so, I don't discriminate. No, I love, I love all food. Um, and it was just so different. Yeah. And so it just, it uses your brain in a different way. And you mm. have these sensory experiences that you wouldn't have here. Interesting. I, I haven't been back. I haven't been back in 20 years. Oh, you need to go. I do. I need to I, get on that. Yeah. You need to go visit your host family. I agree. I would love to I'm assuming you that. still keep in touch with them. I do. My host mom passed um, two years ago, mm. but everyone else is still there. So I'd like to. The I've always been fascinated with the Japanese culture. There's mm-hmm. just something incredibly resilient um, and special mm-hmm. and different. Different. Just very, very different. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite Japanese thing to eat? Uh, okonomiyaki. What's that? So it's a dish they make, and each area of the country has their own particular way of making it. And the best way to describe it would be like a Japanese pancake, but it's not a breakfast food. So okay. you might have seafood in it or okay. um, cabbage. I like it with cabbage. And they kind of put this sauce on top of it. Mm. It's so good. It's like street food, okay. street cars. I was just watching something on Netflix. Uh, it's like 
Street food. I think that's what it's the, called, the, actually. Yes. Have you seen I it? I have seen some of that. Yeah. Yes. Some of it looks amazing. Amazing. And then some of it, I'm just like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't. I don't know if I could eat that. <laughs> I mean, I. I like See, I said, Darren's I don't. Broken me down. I'll eat anything. I don't discriminate. I, I probably but shouldn't some say this, right? I'll eat anything, anytime, yeah. anywhere. Not totally true. <laughs> now but he's gonna I'm hold pretty, you to that. I'm pretty brave about what I'll eat. Interesting. Yeah. So you work for the Japanese government for a year. Mm-hmm. What comes after that? You go back to school. And then I came back to law school for three years. Okay. And I went to University of Oregon. Okay. Um, spent my summers working for an insurance defar- firm in Anchorage, Alaska. Fort Horton, Bretonair. Okay, why Alaska? Well, they, Are you trying to get away from somebody? <laughs> I know, it sounds like it. I, um, no, they had uh, they had a big office in D.C., and I knew that that's where I wanted to go. Mm. And so I had the option of going to D.C. or Anchorage, and so I thought, oh, that would be a really cool experience. <laughs> I'll I go to will Alaska get in my car and drive to Alaska. So I moved up there, and then I was fortunate enough to do a trial. I was just sidebar, I was just an intern. And I argued some motions, and the judge on the case pulled me aside after the trial. He said, you want to be my clerk for a year? I was like, really? Sure. So then I moved back to Alaska for a year after law school and did a judicial clerkship, hmm. which was so cool. You, you strike me as the, the kind of gal that it's when um, opportunity is knocking, yeah. you're like, absolutely, let's yeah. go, let's do it. Yeah, I'm a big believer in people need to be open and ready. Right. So when the, when she asked, or the, I'm assuming it's he. Sorry, when the judge asked if you wanted to be his clerk for a year, did you have to think about it, or you were just like, no, I'll do it. I, I was a yes. Hmm. I'm pretty good at making decisions. I yeah, sounds like it. <laughs> so you live in Anchorage for a year. I did. What was that like? Interesting. Um, I was working for a civil judge, mm-hmm. and they take. We went out to uh, Dutch Harbor, which is in the Aleutian Islands. And so that was the first time I had a taste of criminal law. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved criminal law in law school. It was just something for me that was like second nature. It was fun. What, a, what about it? All of it. Just the, you know, the constitutional aspect, all of it I mm-hmm. loved. And so I had an opportunity to go do this trial. And it was a sex case. And it was a really hard case. Mm-hmm. And I felt like the person was underrepresented and convicted. And that kind of influenced me to start thinking, maybe, maybe I'm interested in doing indigent defense. And it kind of like planted a seed um, that was there. And then I came, after that, I came down to Medford for a little bit and worked at Frommeyer Death Ridge. Mm-hmm. Darren and I reconnect. So this is like a whole nother like romance story. Okay, right? hold on, hold on. I'm going to write that down because I want to know how you guys met. Did you meet in high school? We met when I was 18. He was a rotary exchange student in Belgium with a really good friend of mine from Medford. Okay. And so after my first year of college, Rick says, hey, I, you know, you should meet this guy, Darren. He's great. You know, let's all go camping at Lake of the Woods. And I was like, sure, why not? Sounds fun. Of course. Of course, yes. <laughs> I'll do it. And, and we hit it off. And he met my family that weekend. And then Darren and I kept in touch for 10 years. Wow. And definitely, we were in other relationships. We weren't in a committed relationship, but we just had this connection. And sure. so we'd mail postcards and letters because there wasn't email then. No. Right? We didn't have cell phones. We was, when was this? No, I'm just kidding. I know. I'm, <laughs> I'm a lot older than, than you think. Stop it. Um, and so we kept in touch for 10 years. And I would go by, you know, I knew when he was in college outside Seattle, I'd stop by. I never saw him. And he'd come by Willamette and just this for 10 years. And so I was at Frommeyer and he called. And he was at Chapel Hill, finishing in the mm. middle of his residency. And he said, well, I'm going to be in Eugene. I said, sure, why don't we meet for coffee? I, I'm going to Portland, mm-hmm. you know, no problem. I think we were engaged four months later. Shut up. And I, I moved to Chapel Hill. You moved it. to North Carolina? I moved to North Carolina because I knew. And Wow. Um, we had reciprocity with the bar. And so I thought, well, if you want to be a good criminal attorney, and at this point I'm kind of like, it was an exciting time. For sure. And so I thought, I'm going to go work at the PD's office. And I got a job um, as a public defender. In North Carolina. In North Carolina, in okay. Chapel Hill, in Carborough. Loved it. Mm-hmm. And then I ended up doing that for 11 years. When I came out here, I was a public defender yeah. for 10 years. That's how I, that's the capacity I remember you in, just yes. doing stories. Yeah. So let's, let's back up a whole lot. You're in Alaska. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is where that the sex case that you were on. Mm-hmm. What were the the details of that? It was a digital penetration. It was a native um, and a young girl. Okay, how young? Oh, she was probably eight. Okay, and you felt 
the suspect in the trial, the defendant, the defendant thank you, mm -hmm. uh, was underrepresented. Mm -hmm. Interesting. How so? How so? You're having me go back like 25 mm -hmm. years. I know, I'm and sorry. It obviously had an impact on Yeah. Me. I felt like the person was just kind of going through the motions. Mm -hmm. I definitely don't feel like... The defendant's attorney? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I felt like motions weren't filed. And I really believe for our criminal justice system to work, you really need good representation on both sides. Mm. And that's what's so impressive with our DA's office and our PD's office here. They both, they're both excellent firms right? And, and do a really good job. But it really bothered me that this person who couldn't afford an attorney, you know, gets mm -hmm. a state appointed attorney. And that's what he got. And a lot of people would listen to this story and mm -hmm. go, he, if if he really did do this, a sex crime against an eight-year-old, who mm -hmm. cares if he's underrepresented? Mm -hmm. I think when our, and I, I understand that view. I think, and I don't want to go into the, all the nuances, mm -hmm. but I think what's important is, I believe in access to justice. I believe in fair representation and that people have a chance to be heard mm -hmm. and come into court on both sides. Um, so I'll, I would just leave it. Yeah, I mean, but that really did, sounds like, uh, kickstart something in you. This mm -hmm. is what you ended up doing, you said, for 11 years mm -hmm. in the public def defender's office. And mm -hmm. I've, I've interviewed some other former public defenders, mm -hmm. and they all kind of say the same thing, that there was something about either the underdog or making sure someone at least had access to a fair trial. Mm-hmm. It really all comes down to sounds like fairness mm -hmm. and what's right. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So you worked at the public defender's office in North Carolina for how long? We were there just until Darren graduated. Okay. So that was about a year and a half. And he was going to well, orthodontist school. Mm -hmm. Okay. Is that what it's called? It's not called that. <laughs> Orthodontry. So he was in his residency. It's okay. just a three-year residency. Sorry, residency Darren. Residency in orthodontia. So after you go to dental that's school for four years, mm -hmm. and then you do three more years. Wow, that's a long time. Yeah. So, and then I'm going to back up again. You guys mm -hmm. met when you were 18, correct? Because he was an exchange student here in Belgium with my friend. Oh, so he's he because you said he lived in Texas, correct? And then they moved to Oregon to Wenatchee. Wenatchee, Washington. Okay. And so his parents, so he went from Wenatchee to Belgium for a year. Right. And I'm here at South Medford and my friend graduates and he goes to Belgium. I see. And they meet. Do you remember that friend? Who's I that do. Friend? Rick Hutchins, still a really good friend. Rick hooked you guys up. Yeah. Do you know Rick? No. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Rick's a really good friend. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, Rick had to be invited to the wedding. Rick was invited to the wedding. Was he in the wedding? He was not in the wedding. Mm. I don't know. He should have been in the he wedding. He probably should have been in he the should wedding. Have, he I should have officiated sorry, the wedding. He could. He should have. He should have. Just saying. That's amazing. People, yeah. I love, yeah. I love those connections that are made within people where I know this person and this person is connecting me to this person. And then yeah. it becomes this lifelong connection that you have, whether it's, you know, mm -hmm. a friend or a spouse or yeah. whatever. Yeah, so when we were in Chapel Hill, we were doing stuff for the wedding, so we'd come out to Medford, mm -hmm. and Darren, just one day, he says, Kelly, why aren't we moving to Medford? And I literally had never thought about moving back, and it wasn't that I wanted to leave Medford, it just wasn't, right. you know, something Because you were of. you were traveling to Medford because the wedding was going to be here? Correct, I was married okay. here, so. And he And he, and he said, opened his own practice, there was room for an orthodontist. In and, Medford? In Medford. Um, at the time, and so... And there's a public defender's office in Medford. So I popped in, of course, when we were visiting, and was offered a job right then. And then I remember Darren was waiting for me in the car. I literally just wanted to go in and see the office. You know, we were exploring the mm -hmm. idea. It wasn't set in stone that we were coming here. And I was offered a position. And I came out to the car. I was just stunned. <laughs> and I go, Darren, you're not going to believe it. They offered me a job. What did he say? And he, you know, he's just really supportive. So he wasn't as surprised as I was. It seems like, and correct mm -hmm. me if I'm wrong, but just things have kind of fallen into place for you um, over your life. I've, I've been really lucky. I've been really fortunate. I've had some really hard times. Um, but I think life is about, like you said, like when opportunity comes mm -hmm. and being open. Mm -hmm. I believe treating people with kindness 
Totally. You know, I do our drug court, and so I spend a lot of time talking mm-hmm. with the participants. It's like you gotta, you want to, you treat people how you want to be treated. Absolutely. Like, period. Absolutely. Um, and I think when people do their best to do the right thing, good things happen. You know, and I could mm-hmm. be offending people right now, and they think, oh, her life has been, you know, just a cakewalk, and it hasn't been a cakewalk. Mm-hmm. But I've been so fortunate, and I don't take it for granted. I can tell you that. And I also think too, I mean, I think, I think we could look at a lot of different people's lives and just Mm go, man, they've just had everything Mm -hmm. either given to them or handed to them or everything's worked out for them. And, Mm -hmm. um, I think if you dig a little deeper, you'd find, I mean, everybody goes through heartache Mm -hmm. and tough times. Mm -hmm. It's just how you manage that Mm -hmm. and how you move forward on the other side. Definitely. How you walk through it. Mm -hmm. Um, it was funny. I had, it was, I have a friend who lost a friend, her son very recently and I had a, something other thing happened the other night and I was just really kind of down and I don't get down and so like the first thing I did was like kind of to help someone else and I'm like oh that's this is how I mm-hmm. deal with my own emotions right is like helping other people because mm-hmm. I think you get more from that and it, like pulls you out sure. of whatever you're yeah. in and kind of re-centers mm-hmm. yeah centers your mind. um my stepdad's always told me like emotion emotions are all a choice so Mm -hmm. you're choosing to be happy you're Mm -hmm. choosing to be sad um and I've always believed in that Mm -hmm. so but I also allow myself I was just gonna say yeah if you feel sad feel sad please feel those emotions Mm -hmm. you can't keep it in Mm -hmm. and find a way to release it right now if it's helping someone exercise like I you know I like Mm -hmm. to exercise like for me that's my release but yeah, and not, it's like I, not I every day is a good day for sure. Oh my gosh, no, absolutely. And I don't believe in that whole like, oh, just don't think about it, or let's get your mind off of it. Yeah. No, like go through it, yeah. go go process through the trenches, it. process it. Because I also believe your brain at some point is just going to go, all right, we're done with this, mm-hmm. we're moving on, and you're going to choose to be in a different state. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you guys moved to Medford. We you work in here. the public defender's office. Mm-hmm. What are some just really big, meaningful cases that? that you tackled while you're a public defender? What's a good one? Well, I can't really, I can't go into specifics. That's okay. But I can say that um, I loved the work that I did and I really enjoyed my clients Mm -hmm. because a lot of them, what they need is someone just to give them respect Mm -hmm. and to listen. Um, Early on, I got involved with, I was one of our first attorneys in treatment court Um, Because so much of what I was seeing was a product of addiction. Oh, yeah. So I think helping people through that, I had clients that were acquitted on Measure 11 offenses, Mm -hmm. and they should have been acquitted. Um, And then, you know, it's hard, too. Like, you never know what a jury is going to do. Right. And and I still don't. Like, as a judge, I'm always fascinated to see what, how I view it and Mm -hmm. how jurors view it. And some of my clients, you know, still, you know, when I see them, you know, they're doing well and you're, you hope that they're doing well. Interesting. Any big trial though? We don't have to go into details, but like a trial that some may would remember because it was in the news. Um, a lot, a lot of cases. They could just Google them and probably see them. <laughs> She's not giving it up. I'm not. And I, I generally don't. And I told you this today. I get mm. really uncomfortable talking to the press. I did an interview uh, last that? week. I don't know. Yeah, I think we did. Because I really like to be trans. I'm as transparent as they come. But I, I think you worry. talked to the Mail Tribune, right? I did. Yeah, because yeah, it was Vicky. on. Yeah, we did it. I did an hour long interview with her, and it was it was great. It was a fun interview. But you don't like it. I don't. I get worried. Um, maybe it's just insecurity, but I don't like words being construed mm-hmm. or interpreted the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's important for people to understand what the judiciary is doing. Yeah. And our involvement in the community. I think it's a big part of what we need to do is be out in the community and doing things mm-hmm. um I, but I'm not going to comment on cases or anything like that and people I, a lot of times people want information that I'm not willing to give right totally like me <laughs> I want all that information um <laughs> I think and that's why I really enjoy doing these podcasts yeah. because I I boast that they are uncut and they're unedited oh. so you can't take any little excerpt out of it mm-hmm. and have it be over here and mean something completely different. Correct. If yeah. It's just all of it. And I, I do see journalism going this way, mm-hmm. just these long-form interviews that go for an hour or two hours, mm-hmm. and it's just 
This is all of the information. You don't want to talk to me for two hours. No? Be like, Natasha, we need some coffee. Like she's, Coffee? She's we need wine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wine sounds way better. Um, so when do you decide, I'm going to be a judge? Oh, when the governor called. I mean, that was like... So, wait, stop. <laughs> that, oh, that's right. Cause you, I was appointed. You were appointed because yeah. there was a spot that you had to fill in, yes. right? Yes. Okay. Who, wait, who, was um, it Brown or who was it? No, um, Kids Hopper appointed was me. Hopper. Governor Kids Hopper appointed me. Interesting. Did he like mm-hmm. literally call your cell phone? He he did. That's wow. a strange phone call. That I, I bet. Yeah. I've met I, I have met Governor Kids Hopper on a story. Yes. Charming man. Very charming. Very man. very charming. Yeah. So what did he say? You're like, hi, this is Kelly. Yeah. He's like, I would like you to be a judge. I mean, did he say this is Governor Kids Hopper? Yes. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He left alone. And I actually, to be just totally honest, I missed the phone call because I was running. And I had my phone. It was already after the interviews because right. you go. I mean, there's a, it's you're, it's a vetting process, yeah. right? So you go through different panels down here, and you know it narrows down. And then you know maybe three or four of us went up to the mm-hmm. governor with for a panel, and then uh, you do your one-on-one with the governor. And so, I mean, my phone was like glued to me. You know, oh sure. Like, I don't. You don't want to miss that call. And you missed it. And I missed it. Oh, I went man. for a run, and it was probably not longer than well, thirty minutes. Well, serves you right so for exercising. <laughs> First of all. And I couldn't believe it. I come back and I see, you know, the 503. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Mm. And so he left a really long, um, nice message. <laughs> okay. And then I, I called and accepted the position. Awesome. And then I had to run in the next election and right. was elected. And you got it. Yeah. I did. And so I'm heading into another election year. I just filed. Did you, you obviously enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I love what I do. What about being a judge do you love? So I started in criminal. I was a criminal judge the first three years mm-hmm. and then transitioned to the juvenile bench. Mm-hmm. Maybe I was in criminal four because I'm, I'm starting my seventh year. So I'm in okay. juvenile now. Um, and it's really important work. Yeah. It's really hard. It's some of the hardest stuff that I've ever done. I'm really good at leaving work. Juvenile has definitely kind of seeped into, yeah. um, into everything I do because they're, well, it, they're kids. Right. Their families. Mm-hmm. Um, and last week I was doing an adoption class for DHS at the courthouse. They were bringing kids in to familiarize them with the courtroom. And these kids are like three to six. And, and one of the caseworkers was like, why do you like being a judge? And I said, well, I get to help people. And she's like, that's canned. And I'm like, it really isn't. I'm like, if you want to sit down and talk about it, um, for mm-hmm. me, becoming a judge was easy. As a public defender, I got to do really cool work statewide mm-hmm. on the OCLA board and this and that, but like the opportunity to be a judge and get to do programs. Like I started the rule out program yeah. and, and to speak to people. Um, you have a bigger audience. It comes mm-hmm. with a lot of responsibility. And I think it's really important for people to never abuse that power and yeah. to see what their role is. So what, what makes it hard? When I, before I became on the bench, you really do, you do get a little bit isolated, you know, because people that you were maybe were friends with before, your social circle, you know, becomes mm-hmm. very small, mm-hmm. um, which is fine because I'm actually a really private person. So, you know, when I'm not at work, I'm with my family and my kids' friends. And right. I mean, that's, that's my priority. Like, right. I'm a mom, I'm a wife, I'm a daughter. Um, and so that's where I like to be. So I think... The harder part is like this place is fantastic mm-hmm. that we're in. Um, I rarely go out to bars, mm-hmm. not that I did before, <laughs> but like no one wants to judge walking into Howie's, right? <laughs> no one. Um, so uh, you won't uh, won't find Kelly no. Judge Ravasapur bar hopping never downtown Medford on a Saturday happen. night. It's not gonna happen. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Well, yeah, I'll watch my Downton Abbey and just be perfect home when I'm good. Well, I think you do take things. on, when you take this role, like you said, you do take on um, another set of responsibilities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. But that's why I agreed to do this, because I think it's important for people in the community to know who we are. I do, too. You know, I don't, mm-hmm. there used to be this, like, persona of, like, the judge up here. And, Absolutely. Like, untouchable. And some, a lot of people still have that. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's, it's not that. Right. So hopefully people can see that part of me. Like I do it because I I truly love it. Mm -hmm. And and where I am right now, getting to do treatment court and Mm -hmm. work with individuals changing their lives Mm -hmm. and with the ARC 
and the counselors. It's just. And treatment court is like a boutique. It's what's Correct. called a boutique court. So, a specialty court. Yes. yes. So you're really only dealing with um, folks who have signed up for this court. And agreed. And they're all medium to high risk. So my right. court only takes cases that are looking at going to prison. They're all presumptive prison. Wow. So it's a really difficult population. Yeah. And it's, and it's mo- mostly because the traditional court system just doesn't work for mm-hmm. these groups of people mostly because of their addiction? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, what we know is treatment courts work. It lowers recidivism. Yes. And we're in a place right now where the jails are overcrowded, the prisons are overcrowded. Mm-hmm. People are getting released, right? And the first thing they do is reoffend. Right. And we need to make our community safe. We need to let, we need to change the system. So. Well, it's, you know, um, I don't know if you remember the, we did Meth Watch. It was mm-hmm. a segment on yes. News 10 for like four years. Yes. And the biggest problem is that yeah, treatment works, and you go get treatment, you get help, mm-hmm. and you get clean, but now all of a sudden you find yourself without housing. And so if you don't have housing, now you're couch surfing. Well, maybe you're couch surfing with people who... Housing's a huge issue in our aren't, community. Exactly, and so now you're wrapped right back up into that world that you're mm-hmm. desperately trying to get out of. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, just little things like housing or finding a job where you can take care of your kids at the same time. I mean, I don't, I, I don't envy these folks who are going through treatment and who are dealing with this disease of addiction? Well, what I tell people and what I tell the kids is no one when they're eight says, I want to grow up and I want to be an addict. Exactly. I want to be homeless and I want that chaos and to have no one around me. No and I want to lose my children to the state. No one wants right. that. Right. Um, so. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the rule out program. What is it? So a couple of years ago, I was visiting my sister in Portland and mm-hmm. my nephew was is he going into the seventh grade? Because he's a freshman now. And so he was playing a video game and he was, you know, chatting. Mm-hmm. And this was all new to me because we don't play video games. And I said, who are you playing with? And he didn't know. And I said, well, hey, that's not really safe. So let's talk about this and, you know, safety. And, mm-hmm. and then I really enjoy talking to kids about drugs. I enjoy being honest with kids. I think if we give them education, it's power. Mm-hmm. The more we talk to them, the more they're not caught off guard and, so one night I was just laying in bed. I'm like, I'm going to start the rule out program. And you know, as soon as you say something, mm-hmm. you do it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Darren was really supportive. He's like, this sounds great. And it kind of evolved. And so what it is, is myself, Ruby Harriet. Do you know Ruby? She's a district attorney. Um, sounds very okay. familiar. Yes. So she's been there for years. And then Jeff Brown, he's a um, alcohol and drug counselor from okay. the ARC okay. and my primary counselor that I work with at Rock, and they jumped on board and we go in and the goal is to talk to every seventh grade class we like to keep it to under 30 because mm-hmm. the subject matter is pretty raw mm-hmm. and personal mm-hmm. it makes kids uncomfortable um, and so yeah we're in the midst of it right now and just talking to kids why seventh graders I think seventh grade and I could be wrong but I feel like when kids start junior high you're kind of you're making decisions that are going to have a long-term impact Mm. you know your peer group is you're so formidable you're just kind of you're not a little kid anymore right and you're just changing and so it's a lot of times kids go this way or that way and it really starts in junior high and we want them to know the message is like if you've done something before today it doesn't need to dictate the road that you're going to go down Mm -hmm. um and kids are so sophisticated with media technology the sexting Mm -hmm. i mean it's happening the marijuana so we, we it's talk happening to them. it's happening mm-hmm. and we talk to them about short-term consequences long-term as far as like data mining so if you're applying for a job or college that mm-hmm. they go through everything you've ever posted yes and they can get everything yes so rule it out I think so I grew up in South Carolina and we called it middle oh. school mm-hmm. so it was six seventh and eighth which is what we're transitioning to here exactly mm-hmm. um and you know, middle school is tough. I remember it's it hard. vividly. It's hard. I walked into McLaughlin last year. And I was like, oh, my heart. Yeah. Because you just see what the kids right. are. It's right. a lot of pressure. Um, I, I don't know if you feel this way, but when I was, you know, I'm like 23, 24, a reporter here. Anytime I had to go to high school mm-hmm. for a story, I felt like such a moron. Even like as an adult. <laughs> Like even if I were to walk through the halls of a high school, I would feel so intimidated still. 
Yeah. It's just, I don't know what it is, but I just feel like I have my tripod and my camera and I think I'm cool. Like I'm a reporter, yeah. right? I'm They're on more TV, nervous I'm cool. Of you. They're more nervous of you. No way. I just felt like such a moron walking <laughs> through and I'm like, ooh, like such a nerd. And it's it, it just sends uh-huh. you right back to like that first day of high school or whatever. Yeah. Like we're all just, I think all of us are just like little scared kids on you the know, inside. You know, everyone's doing the best they can. Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. kids, they just want to go to school and they want to fit in. Mm-hmm. And like you said, you don't know what's happening at home. Mm-hmm. And so a big, another big part of the message is just be kind. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You know, support one another. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah. Again, it goes back to, you don't have to love everyone, but no. you also don't have to be a jerk to everyone either. No. So, no. um, okay. Well, you're a delight, Kelly Ravasapur. <laughs> Thank you. We're going to wrap up and get to the final three. Okay. We also have to wrap up so we don't get ticketed. We don't get tickets. I'm on watching. Our car. I'm watching. We're good. Okay. I feel like as we could do like a live, like totally run out and be like, wait, we need to move our car. I feel like as Jackson County judge, (laughs) you could maybe take care of that parking ticket. I I would pay the ticket. Would would you? Of course. Yeah. Oh, see, I'd be sneaky and find a way. Oh, no, you wouldn't. You'd pay the (laughs) ticket. It's karma. You pay the ticket. It is. I am a big believer in (laughs) karma. If you're, if you're nice to people and if you just kind of are nice and kind, maybe the world will come back and be the same to you. Yeah. Let's hope. Um, well, before we get to the final three, thanks for kicking ass in our community. I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, I feel like there's a lot of Jackson County judges that Mm -hmm. just work really hard to make a difference. Yeah. We try. You do. We try. And I think a lot of people see it. So, um, best advice you've ever been given. This one was easy for me and I say it all the time. My uncle, um, my dad's twin was, he passed two years ago. And so we were with the hospice, Mm -hmm. by the way, they're living angels. Agreed. And Father Joel came in, and he was talking to us, and he said, you know, his wife, I think, is Amish. Don't correct me on that. And, and he, for some reason, he said, my wife always says, does it need to be said, and does it need to be said now? And every time before I speak, or if I get just the slightest, like, hair on my neck, or if I get upset in court, I think about that. Like, does it need to be said does it need to be said now? Chances are no, right? Because we all need to listen more. Um, best advice I've ever been given. I got goosebumps. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, it's good. I didn't come up with it. Father Joel did. That's it. Thank you, Father Joel. Yeah. I'd love to nugget. go find him and give him a big hug because yeah. he was just amazing. Um, usually the final three means like the final 12, uh, but your dad was a twin? A identical. Yeah. Identical twin. Yeah. They were models. Really? Yeah, Spearmint, Doublemint twins. That's how he paid for medical school. I know. I know. Barf. Why did we not talk about this? That's, yeah, that's, he doesn't, so, he's really modest. My dad doesn't really talk about that. But. They were identical twins. Uh-huh. Um, what's your dad's brother? What was his name? Rick. Rick. Rick and Ron. <laughs> I love it. So they were literally model. like they did TV commercials. TV commercials, Coke ads. I mean, model models. Like New oh. York Ford models. Dang. Yeah. That's Crazy. impressive. It is pretty cool. That's super cool. That's yeah. just like a, a fun little thing <laughs> to have in your back pocket about your dad. So good looking, these two like good looking. Just great people. So really if I people. found Spearmint commercials online somewhere, your dad and your uncle probably in it? Probably. Day I graduated from law school. No joke. The day. My sister called. She goes, Kelly, you're not going to believe it. And I said, what? She goes, dad's on the cover of Time magazine. And I'm like, what? You know, what? you're like, what? 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 And they had gone back and found one of his images from Ford. And it just happens to be my dad. Yeah. The day I graduated from law school. So it was like bicentennial man. man. And there's a picture of him walking. Pretty cool. Will your dad do my podcast? Oh, I'm sure he would. Okay. Yeah. Let's hook this up. Okay. You're giving we me can two. Do that. But you're giving I don't me two know. subjects <laughs> so far. I love this. Um, that's amazing. Okay. Okay. But final three. Let's hear them. And then uh, also, I do want to say, hospice workers. Again, if you believe in heaven, there is a special place They're for amazing. those people. They are amazing. They're amazing people. Uh, Oh, my, my grandpa was just in hospice and I just, it was such a beautiful experience for the entire family and it just, they make it so comfortable Mm -hmm. for everybody. I think they're doing a training. I saw it in the paper last week. Mm. It's just, yes, special, special, incredible Mm -hmm. people. So one more time, father Joel, father Joel said, does it need to be said? Mm -hmm. Does it need to be said now? That's good stuff good stuff. If you ever left this place, Southern Oregon, 
what would you miss the most? What would bring you back here? I think the valley. I mm. love the orchards. Mm. Um, they're obviously, you know, slowly going away. I know. But I really have fun. I think our valley is so beautiful. I don't think there are many places like this. Agreed. Absolutely. It's a really special place. And right now with fall and the colors. It's so beautiful. It's almost stupid. Like we really get to live here. <laughs> I know. It's, an, it's a special place. Okay, foodie. If you were given a last meal and a last beverage, what would that be? Last meal would be anything Darren cooks. I, I mean, I thought about it for a long time because I knew you were going to ask me that. Mm -hmm. And it sounds cheesy, but it's true. He's really? an amazing cook. Oh, see, Darren um, and I would get along really well. And it could well. be anything. Like, I'm Iron Chef, but it's not good. The end result is not good. But we Wait, all What do you it. mean you're Iron Chef? Like, whatever's left in my house. I mean, come Friday, there's limited food <laughs> in my house. So it's like, okay, we've got seven Brussels sprouts, a white onion, and... It's casserole time. Yeah, a noodle. You know, I roast it. Like, Darren would look at that and find... A, he'll just make an incredible pasta dish. Amazing. So that... Um, Last drink, probably Coca-Cola in a glass bottle. It's like nice. the best. It is the best. It is the best. And I don't drink soda. Mm. Um, and that's a lot of sugar, but that would be and what's free. So Darren, what's the, like your favorite thing that he makes? When he's like, hey, honey, I've made this tonight. You're just like, yeah. Maybe his, uh, he makes really good tacos, like streetcar tacos. Mm. That or anything, any kind of French food. Wow. I'm telling you, anything he makes is good. We wow. entertain a lot. You can ask her. Okay. His wood oven pizza, that's probably would be my last meal. Dang. Yeah. We had, I think, 10 boys last night. He made it. And it's really fun. It's He good. made it homemade. He, he does the dough from scratch. It's his hobby. He writes it in a journal. Okay. That's so nerdy and all, adorable. It's super nerdy. And all I do is like buy the ingredients. <laughs> That's a good team. It is good. It takes a team. It does. It, it does. Team. Well, you've been a blast. Thank you. I'm glad you Thank said you, yes. Trish. Yeah, Thank thanks you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for taking the My opportunity. Are cold, Mine are cold too. Yeah. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast on iTunes and you like it, please subscribe, rate, and review. It helps other people find us. You can check out the video portion at ktbl.com. Just go to features and then off script. One more time, Judge Kelly Ravasapur. Thank you so much. Thank you.